أسبغ علينا نعمه ظاهرة وباطنة وإن تعدوا نعمة الله لا تحصوها وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وحده لا مثيل له لم يتخذ صاحبة ولا ولدا سبحانه عما يقولون علوا كبيرا وأشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا وحبيبنا ونبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبد الله ورسوله يا أيها المدثر قم فأنذر وربك فكبر وثيابك فطهر والرجز فهجر ولا تمن تستكثر ولربك فاصبر من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعص الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له ومن يتوكل على الله فهو حسبه حسبنا الله ونعم الوكيل حسبنا الله ونعم النصير أما بعد أيها المؤمنون This is the month of Ramadan and for some of us it would be out of order not to visit some of the ayat and some of the hadiths that are operational in particular in this month. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the course of ayat about الصوم or الصيام شهر in Surah Al-Baqarah شهر رمضان الذي أنزل فيه القرآن هدى للناس we could have quoted the ayat before this sentence and we can quote the ayat after this sentence but let us take just one sentence from all of these ayat and let us think 
about the relevant meanings of this divine sentence. شهر رمضان الذي أنزل فيه القرآن هدى للناس. The month of Ramadan is the month in which the Quran was made accessible to people. Let me rephrase that. Was made accessible, period. Shahru Ramadan, الذي أنزل فيه القرآن. For what reason? Hudan للناس. The purpose of this is to become a guidance for people. So Shahar Ramadan, by its very definition, is a is a month. The month of Ramadan, by very definition, is a month of interaction between we, the human element, our practice of abstention and the accessible ayat to us during this month. The word unzila is not sent down or brought down like some people think. In another surah in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَنزَلْنَا الْحَدِيدِ Al-Hadid means iron or steel. So if the word brought down or re- sent down, if that was the meaning of the word anzala, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the ayah وَأَنزَلْنَا الْحَدِيدِ Then it would have meant that uh, meant Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have brought down steel and iron. Obviously that's not the case. No steel and iron have come down from anywhere. But the word anzalna means Allah has made accessible the production, the formation, the usage of steel and iron. We're the ones who extract it. We are the ones as humans who make it and produce it and manufacture it, etc. So anzalna is we've made it accessible to you. And in the month of Ramadan in particular, it doesn't mean that the Qur'an is not accessible in other months. It just means that it is more accessible during this month of Ramadan, provided that we are honoring the spirit and the intent of the month of Ramadan. So when we do that, when we honor the spirit and the objective of the month of Ramadan, then this month and this Qur'an and our humanization of this Qur'an and this month 
becomes a guidance to people we become observable individuals observable communities observable societies for the rest of the world to see what this Ramadan is all about the problem we encounter is that we observe the technicalities of Ramadan but we disregard the core of Ramadan the technicalities of Ramadan are I'm not going to eat, I'm not going to drink and I'm not going to have sexual intercourse during this month during the days of this month that's the technical aspect of fasting but the engine of fasting the energy of fasting the manifestation the movement manifestation of fasting is absent it's like having a car you can have the frame of the car the structure of the car right in front of you technically you look at it and say this is a car but what if there's no engine in that car then you just have an appearance and this is what we have an appearance of Ramadan so Ramadan is not presented to the world as a direction giving people direction two billion Muslims in the world if they were truly fasting they have the potential of alleviating the want in this world hunger in this world that becomes guidance for people how many people around are trying to think about how do we solve the issue of hunger how do we solve the issue of people who are in need Ramadan offers a solution if we had the engine of Ramadan within the technicalities of Ramadan one of the hadiths of the Prophet says من صام رمضان إيمانا واحتسابا غفر له ما تقدم من ذنبه whoever fasts whoever abstains in the month of Ramadan as a matter of commitment to Allah and as a matter of reference referring this effort to Allah then Allah will efface he will do away with all previous shortcomings mistakes and sins some individuals would qualify that and say minor sins whatever the case is we don't want to go into these types of hair splitting arguments 
من صام رمضان إيمانا واحتسابا غفر له ما تقدم من ذنب. Now abstaining during the month of Ramadan when we understand the ayat and we relocate the understanding of the ayat into the literature of hadith we understand that this abstention during the month of Ramadan has a spirit to it it's not the only the physical mechanics of the body another hadith إِذَا جَاءَ رَمَضَانٌ فُتِحَتْ أَبْوَابُ الْجَنَّةِ وَغُلِّقَتْ أَبْوَابُ النَّارِ وَصُفِّدَتْ الشَّيَاطِينُ When Ramadan comes, the gates of Al-Jannah are opened. The gates of Jahannam are closed. And the devils are chained. Once again, this is... This hadith is not meant in the context of a physical Ramadan, a strictly physical Ramadan, or in the contents of just the body functions of fasting. That's not where this hadith belongs. So if we take this hadith and place it in the way Muslims are fasting today, we find, even though we understand its meaning, but we find it lacks its spirit. There's another hadith that the Prophet is reported to have said, Umratun fi Ramadan ta'adilu hajjah. The performance of Umrah during Ramadan is equivalent to going to the Hajj, to one pilgrimage. That is why many Muslims flock to Mecca and al Medina during Ramadan. By some counts, they approach two million who are performing the Umrah during this month but once again there's no spirit to it they go there but what is their influence on the rest of the people in the region in the world what is their influence nil because the spirit of Ramadan is absent Ramadan within the understanding of the Qur'an and the hadiths that are compatible with the understanding of the Qur'an Ramadan is a month of i'tikaf that means you dedicate a certain amounts of nights during Ramadan most of the Muslims dedicate the last 10 nights during the month of Ramadan to staying in the masjid and to absorbing the meanings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has privileged us with. Ramadan, in this more accurate understanding of it, is the month of Laylat al-Qadr. 
the night of Qadr. That is a night that has been sought by many devout Muslims and some of those who tend to be more technical try to say it, it is more apt to happen during the last 10 nights of Ramadan. It's an experience of Qadr. There's a surah pertaining to this, a short surah, Inna anzalnahu fi laylatil qadr. Notice here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, Shahru Ramadan alladhi unzila fihi al-Qur'an. The month of Ramadan is the month in which the Qur'an is made accessible. In this short surah he is saying, Inna anzalnahu fi laylatil qadr. We have made it accessible during the night of Qadr. We have a month and we have a night. The night within that month is when a person reaches the perfect equilibrium among all the constituents of his being. Some people will refer the, some people will say the body and the spirit and the conscience are in perfect harmony. When that happens, then there will be a total accessibility of the meanings that have come to us from Allah, Jalla wa'ala. Ramadan is a month of taqwa. That's the first ayah. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu kutiba alaykum usiyam kama kutiba ala alladhina min qablikum la'allakum tattaqoon. This is yet another element that is absent from our observation of Ramadan. The element of taqwa, Allah's authoritative power presence. How many people grow in their awareness during this month of Allah's authoritative power presence? One of the way or one of the indicators of that, there's an ayah in Surah At-Tawbah, ayah 103, that says, خُذْ مِنْ أَمْوَالِهِمْ صَدَقَةً تُطَهِّرُهُمْ بِهَا وَتُزَكِّيهِمْ خُذْ مِنْ أَمْوَالِهِمْ صَدَقَةً تُطَهِّرُهُمْ وَتُزَكِّيهِمْ وَصَلِّ عَلَيْهِمْ إِنَّ صَلَاتَكَ سَكَنٌ لَهُمْ وَاللَّهُ وَاسِعٌ عَلِيمٌ وَاللَّهُ سَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ Take from their wealth sadaqah which will raise their status and which will purify them which will purify them and raise their status now unfortunately when we encounter this ayah 
we encounter the literalists who have put us in this materialistic and physical cage of Ramadan without having our heart flourish during this month, we come and we realize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling his prophet right here in this ayah, وَصَلِّ عَلَيْهِمْ We say, Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ali Muhammad. That's the way the Prophet taught us to express our love and our honor for him and his. Here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling his Prophet to express the same thing towards his followers. وَصَلِّ عَلَيْهِمْ This doesn't mean Salat al-Janazah as some of these narrow-minded people would want us to believe. Salah is the utmost expression of dua with Allah. The most fervent Dua that we have for our Prophet and the affiliates and intimates of our Prophet is Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ali Muhammad. In this ayah, Allah is telling His Prophet to express His salah for us. How does this sit? Take these web mind, these cobweb-minded individuals. Take them and say, "Come to this ayah. This is an ayah in Allah's book." Because your salah, O Prophet, is tranquility to them. Are these meanings? Are these meanings penetrating us during the month of Ramadan or we want to still be caged in the literal and in the material and in the worldly meaning of fasting? Or is the material and physical and worldly meaning of fasting just a means for our fast to become hudan linnas wa bayyinatin min al-huda wal-furqan that is what is meant by our fasting if we only knew and there's a final ayah that says سَارِعُوا إِلَى مَغْفِرَةٍ مِّن رَبِّكُمْ وَجَنَّةٍ عَرْضُهَا السَّمَاوَاتُ وَالْأَرْضُ أُعِدَّتْ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ Make haste as you ask Allah for forgiveness as you ask forgiveness from your sustainer 
and for a paradise the width of which is what you may imagine the earth and the heavens to be prepared for al-muttaqeen once again this word takes us back to la'allakum tattaqun we are observing this fast this abstention for the purpose of taqwa and then the ayah goes on that says الَّذِينَ يُنْفِقُونَ فِي السَّرَّاءِ وَالضَّرَّاءِ those who spend of what they have in times of ease and in times of hardship so Ramadan is supposed to open when we are patient with our body demands it is supposed to open up our minds and our hands to give to those who are in need we give when we have plenty and when we give even when we don't have plenty I beg you to keep these meanings in mind during the month of Ramadan, during the rest of the year, and especially during the remarks that are going to be made in the khutbah, the second part of this Jumu'ah khutbah, in a few seconds. Aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfiru Allah li wa lakum ud'uhu subhanah وأنتم على يقين بالإجابة وتوبوا إلى الله إن الله تواب رحيم الحمد لله بجميع المحمد على جميع النعم وصلى الله وسلم على المبعوث خيرا ورحمة وهدى لكافة الأمم محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم With the heightened sense of abstaining during this month of Ramadan we give up our food we're hungry during the day we're thirsty during the day our appetites are shrinking during this month-long fast and then with no more fogginess in our minds we take a look around look at the condition of two billion Muslims in the world what did they do what we're going to say right now is not an act of nature it's not a natural disaster it's not something outside of our control this is what human beings have done to other human beings look at 
particular areas in the Muslim hemisphere. What happened in Afghanistan? How many, this whole issue began in the 1970s and it continues until this day. We're talking about 30, 40 or more years. Call it a failed state, call it a failed society, call it whatever. We've been fasting, we the two billion Muslims in the world have been fasting for these last 40 years and this is what is happening to us. We go from Afghanistan to Al-Iraq. Look what, what's been happening there. Is it a society that is functioning normally? Almost every day there are explosions, there's fighting, there's divisions, there's all of this stuff. Are we fasting this month of Ramadan? Are we sensitive to Allah's authoritative power presence when we are doing this to ourselves? Something has to be corrected. Look at Libya, another area there. In the past 10 years, give or take, what has been happening there? It's no longer one country like it used to be. We, 2 billion Muslims in the world, are supposed to be one country. I don't want to say one government we're supposed to be one country it could have different administrations that can harmonize and synchronize its policies with its own self but look at what we are are we fasting is this a month of fasting when not unity defines us, disunity defines us. Is this a function of fasting? Is this a function of taqwa? Look at Somalia, same thing. During the course of these years, we're not responsible for the generations that have lapsed. We're not responsible for the generations that are to come. We're responsible for our own generation. And when we begin to see these massive failures, we have to ask ourselves, are we honoring this school of Ramadan? Are we learning this lesson of Siyam? Look at Pakistan. Sectarianism, just like in these other places. Divisions, just like in these other places. And then recently look at Syria and Yemen and even Egypt. What is happening there? Is there this understanding of taqwa, understanding of asiyam? that brings about the essential understanding of the message of the Qur'an. Let's say the Muslims are two billion in the world. We don't know how many Muslims there are in the world. Doesn't that say 
who we are, we can't even count ourselves after all of this. Since 9-11, or around that time, you know, we're the people, they say, Muslims are terrorists. We're not terrorists. Those individuals who have Muslim names, who go out and commit acts of savagery, mayhem, killings, massacres, slaughters, civil wars, that doesn't originate from Muslims. These are mercenaries, or they are agents, or they are fools to be involved in what they are doing. But nevertheless, because we are not in control of any significant media power, they say Muslims are terrorists. Since about 9-11, 20 million Muslims have been killed. We've been fasting during these years. Did our fast give us direction and exclude us from killing ourselves and being killed by others? 20 million. And dare anyone say those who are killing us, whether they have our names or whether they have our religion or whether they have our geography who's doing all of this we don't have what it takes to think through this in this month of clarity the number of refugees Muslim refugees is passing 60 million in the world. Do we care for our own selves? Where are those people who have an extra acre or an extra apartment or an extra bank account or extra wealth? How is Ramadan impacting them when if they can open their eyes and look around and realize there's 60 million Muslims who don't have a home. And we, we're supposed to be fasting? Ramadan is condemning us. Out of 2 billion Muslims in the world, how many of us are illiterate? 43%. That's approaching 900 million Muslims in the world are illiterate. Why don't the manabir, the minarets, the pulpits, why don't they in the month of Ramadan echo these facts all across the world? So that we can understand when we are fasting, there's a responsibility that comes with that fasting. 60% of the Muslims in the world are living under the poverty line. Obviously, when we put these numbers together, we realize that the Muslims, when they fast, they are absent-minded. Or when they fast, it just means 
that they have to experience daylight time with some physical constraints. That's not to mention those who trick themselves and reverse day and night. So what do we do? Instead of looking at this, these types of issues with this type of magnitude, instead of looking at them, what are we doing? Look at what are we doing during the month of Ramadan, before Ramadan and after Ramadan. This is what we do. These, this, this is what occupies our media programs. It occupies our masjid programs. It occupies our halaqas, etc. What are the issues that they're talking about? And I'm just going to, of course, we can't exhaust everything. But this, these are some of the issues they talk about. They talk about talaq divorce. Is a divorce consummated by repeating, husband repeating to his wife, I divorce you three times? That become, no, That becomes an issue that has to be argued night and day. And in that argument, we consume ourselves in an atmosphere that forbids us from looking at the larger issues. Another issue that they toss around. To amuse us with. It's like amusement. Can a woman lead the prayers? And they generate arguments. Can a non-Muslim be allowed to enter the masjid? Can a copy of the Quran be given to a non-Muslim? Can a menstruating Muslima enter the masjid? How much hair is allowed for a Muslima to show when she wears her, her hijab and at what age? How many dates should we eat for iftar? When we break our fast, how many dates? Is it one? Is it three? Is it, these are the issues. How many rak'ah is taraweeh prayers? Is it eight? Is it twenty? Now I have to say something here that belongs to the first khutbah. Brothers and sisters, taraweeh prayers began voluntarily by the prophet these are vol these are not fard they are not wajib and the prophet began them it is said and once again these books of hadith need a closer consideration the prophet began them as a collective prayer salata jama'a but then he realized this is becoming difficult for some individuals, so he left the individuals to perform their salat al-taraweeh at their own time, at their own leisure, for their own satisfaction, at their home, in the masjid, wherever. They could perform one rak'ah, and they can perform 20, perform 20 rak'ahs, or they can perform anything in between. And not look how, and then what happened for history's sake, 
the, the second Khalifa he made it something like an administrative decision this is not halal and haram stuff an administrative decision to have the Muslims pray at Taraweeh as jama'ah in a congregation in the masjid and this type of history we carry with us right now people cannot go back to what the Prophet did what came about how it happened and then they began make begin to make a big give and take argument and counter argument about Salat al-Taraweeh which refocuses our attention from the larger issues to these types of issues another one of these cons- consuming arguments how do we declare a Shi'i a Kafir or how do we cl- declare a Sunni a Kafir this these are the types of things instead of us focusing on al-infaq fi sabilillah yunfiquna amwalahum the taqwa of Allah to alleviate these issues of necessity hunger deprivation dislocation all over the world when we are the victims in the hundreds of millions all of this discussion takes us in this narrow direction and who is responsible for generating these types of discussions and these types of arguments one of them at the beginning of the month of Ramadan and at the the end of the month of Ramadan how do we define a Hilal the the sighting of the Hilal or the sightability of the Hilal this becomes one of those arguments that takes us away from our responsibilities for justice and who where did where's all of this coming from the people who have the money instead of the people who have the money contributing to solving the major issues we have they spend their money generating side issues that distract us from these major issues and where are they now you've probably in the past week you've heard what's been happening this small artificial all of them are artificial nation states in the Arabian Peninsula has become the target of the wrath of the decision makers in primarily four countries led primarily by one government the ruling clan in Arabia in Riyadh in Abu Dhabi and then in Al Manama Bahrain and then in Cairo Egypt it's become so demoralizing that one of the Imams in the Haram in Mecca on his in his social media he said and I will quote here من مالت عاطفته لليهود 
ضد المسلمين فإنما هو يلبس بعض لبوس لبوسهم كما ذكر الله ذلك عن اليهود ويقولون للذين كفروا هؤلاء أهدى من الذين آمنوا سبيلا This person, his name is Sheikh Saud Al-Shurayn. In his social media, Twitter or whatever it was, he says, Whoever's, whoever has feelings inclining toward Yahud against the Muslims, then he has taken on part of their appearance meaning he didn't say this I'm filling in I'm explaining to you the decision makers in the Arabian Peninsula who are normalizing and who are finalizing their cordial relationships with Israel have entered into the Israeli scheme of things. And then he quoted an ayah in the Quran that refers to the time when the mushriks, I'm explaining to you, some of his words have to be explained. When the mushriks in the Arabian Peninsula, during the time of our beloved Prophet, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his, they went to Yahud. They went to the rabbis in Al-Madina, in Al-Hijaz, and they asked them, what do you say about this Prophet? The answer of these Yahud to the mushriks of Arabia was that you mushriks, have more direction than he does. ذلك ويقولون للذين كفروا هؤلاء أهدى من الذين آمنوا سبيلا. This is exactly what is taking place today. We don't know what's going to happen to this person. Either he's going to apologize for what he said, or they're going to close his mouth, his public mouth. The Muslim World League, Rabitat Al-Alam Al-Islam. You know, uh, just yesterday and today, the these four entities, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, and Egypt, they declared 59 individuals to be terrorists or accomplices accomplices to terrorism 59 individuals many of them Qataris and 12 Islamic institutions to be involved in promoting or being involved in terrorism one of those personalities declared such is a Sheikh Yusuf Al-Qarzawi very well-known person we need not enter into any details here about him today following this blacklist 
conjured up by these four administrations. Rabitat al-Alam al-Islami, the Muslim World League today, which is located, its headquarters is located in Mecca, expelled Yusuf al-Qardawi from its membership. Majma al-Fiqh al-Islami, this is the global fiqhi council that brings together many of the scholars in the Islamic world also expelled Al-Qardawi from its membership. Further, furthermore, the United Arab Emirates in the course of this past week passed a law that will fine any individual living in its country who expresses any type of public support for Qatar to face a prison sentence between 3 and 15 years or a fine if we translate their currency into dollars the fine would be $137,000 where are the people who speak about freedom of speech you're not going to hear anything from them you can almost be assured of that because it's not in their nature to do so. And in the month of Ramadan, because we're supposed to act like automatons, zombies in this month, all of these issues are not supposed to be within the range of our attention. In the meantime, the Saudi regime goes on to normalize its strategic relationship with these types of, they're calling them Sunni Arab governments. Oh, how convenient it is to use the word Sunni in this context to add fuel to the political fire that they are igniting. And then those who have colonized Palestine, you know, this is the second Friday in the month of Ramadan, and many Muslims in Palestine want to go and pray Jumu'ah in Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. Well, we are told that if you were, the news items, we're not, this is not something, this is not no secret that we are uh, going public with. If you're under 40 years of age, you can't go and pray in Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. Period. Yeah, this, what, what are we supposed to do? Make believe all of this is normal? Nothing is happening? And then this foreign minister, used to, the foreign minister of the Saudi clannish regime, who used to be the ambassador here, some of his friends told on him when he was here, and I heard this from them, from reliable Muslims, that this person is a homosexual. Of course, he got married to a Jordanian, and then his wife in the past week, when all of this beans are being spilled, 
at times of crises and tension, the flare-up of nerves cannot can no longer hide secrets. So his wife came out and she authenticated what we heard about him here in Washington, D.C. What is the statement that he made in the course of this past week? He said, Qatar should cease and desist. These, this is the meaning of what he said. Should cease and desist from supporting organizations like Al-Ikhwan Al-Muslimin and Hamas. These are the issues that we should be conscious of during the month of Ramadan. Not go to sleep in the masjid and make believe these are not issues that are affecting us in the tens of millions, in the hundreds of millions. And we want this Ramadan to pass by just by going through the motions and the appearances of fasting. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna attiba'ah wa arina al-batila batilan warzuqna ajtinaabah wa la taj'alhu multabisan alayna waj'alna lilmuttaqina imama rabbana innana sami'na munadiyan yunadi lil-eeman أن آمنوا بربكم فآمنا ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد اللهم اجعل صيامنا صيام المتقين واجعل صلاتنا صلاة الخاشعين واجعل ركوعنا ركوع الطائعين واجعل سجودنا سجود المقربين ربنا صل على محمد وآل محمد وبارك على محمد وآل محمد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمركم أن تؤدوا الأمانات إلى أهلها وإذا حكمتم بين الناس أن تحكموا بالعدل إن الله نعم يعظكم به إن الله كان سميعا بصيرا ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاه